Hello and welcome to the Sock Valley Spotlight Podcast, where we shine a light on the people and places of the beautiful Sock Valley. In each episode, we highlight the hidden gems and untold stories of local businesses, community leaders, and the people that call the Sock Valley home. I'm your host, Drew Williams, and today I'm joined by Jeanette Trotter, who's a licensed clinical therapist who practices in Dixon with Living Well Counseling. Today is a special conversation with Jeanette because I sat down with her to talk about stress, anxiety, and worry as a way of helping members of our church understand more about these mental health issues. But Jeanette was kind enough to allow us to post this interview here on the Sock Valley Spotlight channel. So Jeanette, we'll take it away with you. First, can you just give me just a quick quick snapshot of you, Jeanette. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Who do you love? Maybe as a way to start. Mm-hmm. I love my Lord Jesus first and then my uh, husband. Uh, we're raising uh, our grandchildren who's, who are four and seven. Love them very dearly. Mm. And then we also have a son and uh, daughter. Our son has uh, three little girls mm. and our daughter has two little girls. We have five granddaughters <laughs> so wow. we we are all in pink and unicorns and rainbows that's a that's a colorful way to live life um as a girl dad myself i understand it very dearly um can you give me just a little bit of uh intro to your time serving as a medical health professional as a, a mental health professional sorry mm-hmm. um how long have you been practicing what first got you into it mm-hmm. Um, I felt called to ministry as a 16-year-old in high school. Mm. I can remember um, helping with a vacation Bible school, already a Christian at the time, um, but really struggling with, um, I think a lot of us do, uh, doing the right thing, but then falling back into the things that I knew I shouldn't be doing. Yes. And during that VBS, which was four children, and I was 16, um, I went to the altar (laughs) during the altar call and asked for a change in my heart because I wanted to be full-on, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, And so at that time, uh, our our church believes in uh, what they call a second work of grace or entire sanctification. So it's more than just you come as um, a believer and accept Christ into your life, now you've just fully turned your life over to Him. Mm. Um, So from then on, I really felt a call to uh, get a degree. Uh, I didn't know what it was called at the time of psychology, but I wanted to be a counselor for uh, teenagers. Um, I wanted to uh, work with them, help them not only in their mental health, but to help them spiritually along their way. Um, So I I focused on that for a little while in my studies. Um, And then whenever I started doing therapy, I soon realized that if I am working with a teenager, I'm certainly working with their families, too. Oh, yes, (laughs) absolutely. So we did that for a while, still do a little bit, not as much, Um, which that led me me into really enjoying marital therapy. Mm. So I do, I would say about half of who I see is uh, couples who are coming with struggles in their relationship. So sometimes we're still, you know, focusing on what's going on with their teenagers or their young children. Uh, So I'm still doing that, fulfilling the call that I I feel uh, 
has been on me as, since I was 16. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I'm curious your perspective on this. I think I know how you would answer this, but uh, do you think that counseling is for every type of person or is it uh, really just for certain types of people or those who've gone through certain types of experiences in life? What would you say to that as far as who is counseling for? Yeah, I think we can all benefit from it mm. at different points in our lives. Um, you know, I have people come in that, you know, they just want to search. Why am I a certain way when mm. such and such happens? Mm. Um, so they're just doing like for growth, personal growth. Yeah. Um, I have people that come in who are, um, for whatever reason, facing a particular stressor or something unexpected has happened, a trauma or a death in the family. Um, you know, there are some people who come in who kind of just dealt with um, stress or anxiety or depression kind of bumping along all their life. And it just now has reached a point because something has happened where they feel like, I really need help in this area. Um, you know, I've, I've also seen um, older um, people come in who have dealt with family stressors for a really long time, mm. and now they're wanting to make a difference in the family or at least learn how to respond to what's going on in their family instead of react to it. Yeah. Um, so they're really just seeking help, and usually with that, on how can I be a better uh, leader in my you know, extended family. Well, and it's encouraging to hear too, that there's not really a time when it's too late. No. Nope. Right. You know, and it's, even if you've gone through a lot of life mm -hmm. and you realize, well, I haven't sought help for this before. I haven't sought out these different tools before. That doesn't mean that you can't right. at that point. Right. Um, I don't know what the pandemic had to do with this, but since the pan pandemic, I've had quite a few come in who, are at their retirement age hmm. or have recently retired and they're just kind of lost at yeah. what to do with their life. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, you know, they're fo focusing on spiritual things and what do I do now? Cause I have the energy to do more. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes it goes back to the family concerns and uh, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of do some retirement, retirement adjustment you know, work to get them kind of doing other things with their time. Well, it's recognizing that uh, even though the, the job might be over, the the purpose in life and right. the mission in life doesn't have to be over. And it's just finding a new outlet mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, at our church, uh, we're talking about uh, stress and anxiety and worry just as things that people deal with mm -hmm. all the time and things that Jesus talked about too, and had wisdom for as well, mm -hmm. um, and had uh, guidance for in, in a better way to live, um, even while dealing with it, that it's not a uh, stress and anxiety aren't things that preclude you mm -hmm. from a good life. They're things that everyone deals with in different ways, mm -hmm. um, but that we get to uh, handle it together in community mm -hmm. um, and handle it together as we're taking steps forward mm -hmm. and trying to follow Jesus. And so um, I'd love to hear your wisdom and just your perspective on um, maybe how those three overlap uh, stress and anxiety and worry. Uh, are, are they the same thing? I, I'm looking at when you say stress, 
I think that is a lack of what I call margin in mm. our lives. Um, I mean, other people may define it differently, but the way I've seen it uh, working in clients' lives is things just pile on. You know, whether it's back to school, like we were talking about earlier, or it's um, promotions at work, or it's extended hours, or it's pandemic stress, um, meaning you have more responsibility to do the same job, but yeah. there's more responsibility in the hours of day that you have to do it. Hmm. Um, you know, I've heard different people, especially nurses and emergency response people, having to do that so it's an added stress on them that they didn't know was going to be there. Yeah. So it's just extra. And so it pushes out the margin, especially if you're working extended hours. Now you have less time for family or yourself, but you're still doing the same job with more responsibilities. That's kind of how I've seen it. Mm. Anxiety, um, you know, a person can be kind of, that type of person born with a little bit of anxiety, which is manageable for most. Yeah. Um, or they can live in an environment that is stressful and causes anxiety. And um, so I think that can be a little bit of the nature-nurture argument that we hear. Um, so again, if they're managing their life, if they are an anxious person and they're managing their life, um, they can kind of go through and not really need the helps. If they're highly anxious and they're not managing their lives, you know, their schedule, their routine, and the people they're dealing with on a daily basis, or not dealing with, but in interacting with on a daily basis, if they don't keep a good uh, level of um, control, I guess, in that environment, the anxiety can really escalate and get high. Um, and with worry, uh, I know Jesus says to not be anxious, but there are people who let that just get away from them. And I do think if we do have what we call the worry warts, um, we've, we've been around people like that, um, but they do. They, they worry about a number of things. Some of them they can control so they could kind of do something about that. Um, in their own lives, but some of the things that people worry about, it's totally out of their control. And I think we need to re rely on the word <laughs> that Jesus says, don't worry. Mm. Now that's hard to do. Yeah. So then we would be teaching, you know, some ways to deal with that. Yeah, tools, tools on yeah. how, to, how to deal with that and ways to uh, do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd love to kind of just dive in a little deeper on each of those things. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about stress, um, I think people can notice negative effects of stress in other people, but it's harder for them to notice it in themselves. Mm -hmm. What are some maybe clues um, that would help us recognize stress in our own lives? What are some of the negative effects of stress if, if we leave it undealt with? Mm-hmm. It usually shows up with anxiety and depression symptoms. Um, the one I see the most is um, irritability. Um, you know, the things that they used to be able to manage before uh, things started pouring into their life. Um, now they're just irritable or cranky. 
and then if they uh, deal with that for a, a longer period of time, it could show up in things like lack of motivation. You know, now, you know, what I used to enjoy before, I just don't, and I don't even have the, sometimes in deep, if it goes for long and it's deep depression, it goes so far as can't even get out of bed, don't really feel like taking a bath, mm. don't want to go to work, missing work, you know. So if you're, if you let it go too long, it can get that deep. I mean, all the way down to suicidal ideation. Hopefully not homicidal, but sometimes you know it is. Yeah. But we're probably not talking about that with the majority of the population it's more this um you know life happens and i'm not dealing well you know just a lot is going on in a person's life and they start you know needing to focus more on should be focusing on their selves on how to relieve some of that tension yeah yeah so so what would some practical ways to relieve some of that tension some of that stress be how how, how could mm-hmm. uh People, what are some maybe just easy tools that people could use to r- reduce stress? Yeah. Now, this is going to sound so simplistic, okay, but it is it makes a world of difference for people. Um, just the decluttering of their lives. Now, some people do that with um, decluttering their home, getting rid of stuff that's just piled up. Because if you walk into a room that is... Um, piled high with stuff that needs to be put away, it automatically is going to cause you to be stressed out. More for some than others. Some can kind of live with that. Um, But that's one thing that they can do. Um, Put some margin back in your schedule if you've piled on. I mean, sometimes you can't help it. The kids have after-school activities or things they're involved in. You can't help some of that. But you can look at your uh, schedule and see what's important. You know, what is meaningful in our family's schedule and what could we cut out? I mean, if it's causing this huge, huge amount of stress, is it really all that healthy? Right. We, we want our kids um, to be involved in things, to be socially appropriate and, you know, you know, do all these things so they can grow up well-rounded. But if it's too much... If it's causing stress on the family and you're not doing the important things, and what I would consider important would be your 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 devotion, your your prayer, your talks about God and how He is interacting in your life and how you're listening or not. What are you struggling with? So if those things aren't present and you want them to be, you've got to cut something somewhere. Um, so. You know, get that margin back into um, the family schedule. Mm. And even if you're just a couple, get it get it back if it's gone away. Um, I, use, <coughs> I, yeah, I use the example a lot of times. Um, I don't know where I read it or heard it, but it talks about putting a, a frog in a pot of water. And if you turn the heat on, uh, they don't realize it's getting hot and they could actually cook. I think families get that way sometimes. Mm. You pile on this, which is a good thing, and you pile on that, which is a good thing, and you pile on this, which is a good thing, and then all of a sudden you're like, you're, you can't move. You're so stressed and so wore out um, and irritable and 
<laughs> frustrated that it just takes, you know, let's stop and let's look at what's going on. Is this what we want to do? Can we manage whatever we're doing for a few weeks and then be done and move on to the next thing? Can we do that? If not, it's okay to say, hey, you know, we thought all seven kids could be in soccer, but we just, we're not able to manage it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, but maybe that is happening for someone. There, there are some families, I'm sure, who feel like they have seven kids, even if, yep. even if there's not actually seven kids in the family. Yeah. Um, so with that, what I help couples, families do is look at their routine, mm. their morning routine, if they have kids, their after-school routine, and then their bedtime routine. Um, and do they like how that's going? Yeah. And if they feel, you know, this is what they want, but it's not happening, working towards that. It does reduce the stress. Um, Mom and dad have to work together with who's responsible for what. I mean, not rigidly, but, you know, for the most part, I'm going to do the baths, I'm going to do the snacks and whatever you're doing. Just uh, taking taking inventory Mm -hmm. of all the things that are going on in life and and asking kind of bit by bit, Mm -hmm. is this adding stress or relieving stress mm-hmm. and then what could we do to maybe add some more margin in yeah so that's big picture stuff of yeah. things that can um happen when you're have a lot of stress going on and then you would work on uh, i don't know if you're getting ready to ask this or not but we uh more on an individual level would start working on coping mm. how do you cope with the stress because sometimes um person or a couple will come in that they're under so much stress that to ask them to organize or that is too much. Yeah. So they're, they're just overwhelmed. Um, so we'd back up the cart, so to speak, and say, okay, let's readjust here and let's work on just individual coping. Well, and it's also just recognition that there, there's never going to be a time when you can get rid of all stress. No. And so you do need to know coping mechanisms and and tools to be able to kind of handle Mm -hmm. what happens. But it's helpful to also realize that you don't have to cope with all the stress. There are tools to actually eliminate some stress and and release some stress and maybe give away some things that are causing stress Mm -hmm. um, so that what you're left with is manageable and able to cope with. Yeah. And not all the time, but sometimes when people come in, they've been... um, trying to manage the stress for so long that when we start working, it's kind of like a conditioned response. <laughs> Whenever they they start to do the work, that the anxiety is it's still there. Mm. So changing the routine, you may still be anxious for a while, but over time, it is more peaceful if, if they get it like they want it yeah. um, closer to. It is more peaceful, and that alone can start reducing, you know, you're making a change in behavior, which affects the mind. Yeah. Um, so the, the stress is coming down because no longer do, am I running frantically around the house and the children are <laughs> screaming or whatever children do, but it feels, you know, like a nice nurturing more like a nice nurturing environment more yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. And so you mentioned um, the, the way you just talked about, even when uh, stress comes down, we saw the feelings of anxiety and I, I want to transition to anxiety, but maybe a way that would be helpful for me to articulate 
some of the differences between stress, anxiety, and worry. And tell me if this uh, sounds right from your perspective. Stress usually involves this external mm. pressure. Usually. Um, and, and it causes us to react. And so when we, fe- when we say that we are stressed or we're feeling, we're feeling stress, it's we're reacting to this external pressure. Whereas anxiety is different than that. Mm-hmm. How, how would you define anxiety? Yeah. Um, I would say it is a sense of irritability. Um, about it could be just one thing, but it could be several things in the fear of not being able to have control over it. Mm. Um, some people have like social anxiety that, you know, they walk into a room and they feel like people are looking at them or talking about them or, you know, which is usually not true. Um, but we do have those anxieties. Um, people have them about different things. Mm. I mean, it could be specific to the way a parent spoke to them. It could be um, stuttering. It could be uh, the anxieties of fitting in at school. You know, they're just worried, um, which behind that a lot of times is fear of not being accepted or fear that something's going to happen, awful might mm. happen. Mm. But you know, just and so if if people are um, experiencing anxiety where mm-hmm. they feel uh, heightened, they feel um, on edge, mm-hmm. they feel always uh, certain that the other shoe is going to drop, mm-hmm. um, and like you said, usually about one thing, you know, uh, I would, you, you earlier, you referred to worry warts, you know, the type <laughs> of people that just kind of worry about all things, mm-hmm. whereas people who have anxiety, it's usually they're worrying about a specific thing. And so they're anxious about a specific type of thing. Mm-hmm. So what are some maybe practical, mm-hmm. uh, things that people could do to try and deal with the anxiety, process that anxiety, reduce that anxiety? Yeah. I usually teach for that, uh, first session for people who have higher anxiety. Some people come in and it's manageable, um, so we good and move on. But uh, some people come in and they're really, really hitting some uh, scales that say there's something clinically going on here. So if they are uh, experiencing high anxiety, I generally teach deep breathing, and you can do that several ways. But the one I normally teach, which is quick, um, then you can use an app or whatever, whatever. Um, but is deep breathing, filling, uh, breathing through your nose, filling up your lungs and your diaphragm. You can hold it or not, and then slowly exhale through the mouth. Mm. Um, so that tends to help the body kind of, you know, center itself, and the body's getting all the oxygen that it needs. Mm. And if you like, I can read a little segment about that, but I usually teach that. Um, and to go along with that, I teach... Um, what we call uh, thought stopping. Hmm. So we have to deal with not only what the body is doing as it's experiencing the anxiety, we have to attend to what the mind is doing. Because the way it works, the way our bodies are created to work is we think about something. Now we could think about um, our dog got loose. Everybody likes dogs. And we could think, some people would go, well, I need to go out 
and catch the dog and bring it back in. The worried person, they've already catastrophized that he just got ran over. So with the thoughts, we have to get the thoughts stopped. So there's different ways to do that. The one that is most common that probably a lot of therapists teach is um, uh, the worry, the troubling thought, or the overwhelming thought comes into our mind, and we say stop mm -hmm. to it. Um, and then try to visualize either a stop light or a stop sign um, so that we're taking our mind from you know one direction to another direction. And when we interrupt the thought, it's kind of like when someone interrupts us in a conversation, sometimes it's hard to get back to what we were talking about. That's the whole purpose of the thought stopping. Because if you interrupt a, a thought that's been kind of flowing through the mind for a while, um, if you interrupt it, it's decreasing the frequency and intensity of the thought. So it should calm you down over, times, over time. And there's other ways you can do that if that doesn't work. I have a whole list of things to do and a couple pages of things that take maybe 15 or 20 minutes, whereas these first ones, they're like you're doing it in the moment to kind of get back to what you need, uh, need to be focused on. Now, I do caution people whenever I'm teaching that. It's a great skill, and it works over time, it's not like you just pick it up and some people, but you know, sometimes it takes a little time to remember to do it and get the benefit from it. Just like any skill, it takes practice. Yeah. Like yeah. riding a bike. <laughs> then you do it well sometimes. And sometimes it's just like, oh my goodness, mm. this isn't working. But I caution people to not avoid troubling and overwhelming thoughts because what you do, it's like sweeping it under a rug. And we all know what happens when there's a lot of stuff swept under the rug. It creates a bump, and we're tripping over it at some mm. point. And it actually increases the anxiety. So, so I caution people, you use the thought-stopping technique when you need it to focus on whatever you're doing. But do not avoid it altogether. Yeah. Pick a time that you can spend some time with it and process whatever that is. Usually it's something that's happened or something that you're going through. But if you just avoid it completely, um, you're not dealing with things. And a lot of times people do that with grieving, too. They avoid it. Yeah. That's really helpful to even think about that metaphor of the, the bump in the rug because... Um, I just think about when uh, when our house is messy and we're having people come over, there is a uh, an impulse, uh, especially if there's lots to clean up, to just hide the things rather than actually tidy. You know, <laughs> let's let's shove everything into this room. And just close that door. They don't have to see that door. You know, hey, let's take all the dishes and we will just shove them in the dishwasher. We'll have to deal with that later. You can't start that dishwasher the way it is in there, but at least you don't see the dishes. And and it, it never actually fixes the problem. It just delays the problem. And sometimes it creates a bigger problem where you open up that dishwasher and now there's a glass that's broken. Yeah. Or uh, you you uh, think that that door has kept things closed, but your two-year-old decides to open that door and show everyone the mess that's in there and come walking out with the the trash bag that you didn't actually take outside. Now there's a smell in the house, you know, and it, that happens in our lives too. When we, mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, I've always 
the stereotypical joke is that men will stuff things down, you know, we'll stuff things down until we have a heart attack at the age of 53, you know, because it's that pressure that builds up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure it's not just men who do that, but it definitely shows that stuffing things down, uh, ignoring things increases the problem, Mm -hmm. increases the anxiety. um, And, and though it seems like a temporary solution, it's not even a, a solution at all. And to take that into the realm that I work a lot with, it really impacts marriages over time, if that's going on. You know, marriages need to change to whatever their stresses are based on, you know, the different stages that they're going through. But because if they're stuffing stuff, not talking about it, it's building up um, some... Resentments, maybe some pressure in the relationship. So always good to just keep communication open and honest. Mm. (laughs) And so we were talking about how stress is sometimes can be described as this external pressure Mm -hmm. that causes us to react in a certain way. Anxiety is this internal uh, fixation of worry on maybe a specific thing or a specific part of life um, that. gives us feelings of uh, out of control, and so we try to control or manage. Um, Then worry maybe is more of a general sense Mm -hmm. of a lack of control or a a general sense of assuming the worst. Is worry something that everyone deals with, or again, is it just certain types of people that deal with it? Yeah, I think from what I've seen, there's been people who have more worries and they may have started out as concerns, mm. which I think that's okay. You have mothering people that you know are concerned for a lot of things. It's just that crossing into worry when now it's kind of taking over. That's when it's not healthy. So, so what is the difference between a concern mm-hmm. and a worry? Where, where does it cross that line? Yeah, I want to give a, uh, I'll try not to give a personal example, but you can be concerned with, let's say, someone's going to Yellowstone National Park. You can have some worries there or some concerns. Don't get too close to the geysers. Don't, you know, pet the buffalo, you know, different things, some concerns. But then you could have, um, you know, someone who's really worried about that. And, you know, they get in their prayer closet, which is not a bad thing. I'm not mocking, but, you know, for safety, for whoever the person is traveling. But you could worry yourself silly staying up all night to, you know, I hope they're okay. You know, you know, that's taking it a little far Hmm. where it's it's (laughs) it's maybe just spending time ruminating on all the things that are out of your control Mm -hmm. so cast your anxieties on the lord he will care for you Hmm. Hmm. what do you think um is really the cause of overwhelming worry because you said you know some people are more Mm -hmm. worry worrisome than others. And so for people who experience kind of that sense of overwhelming worry, mm-hmm. we know that is a, a symptom of something else. There's always a thing behind the thing. Mm-hmm. 
So what is what is the cause yeah. that that leads towards overwhelming worry? Yeah, I, I think I've seen it in a variety of ways. It can be, you know, things as awful as trauma that has occurred in the person's life, either early on or later in life or whatever that people already have. If such and such happens, they're already tensed up and concerned about, I've got to protect myself to go into that situation or to deal with that. And, it, and I've also seen people have grown up with great upbringings and they, they worry. Um, you know, I think, again, going back to the fear of something could happen, you know, we're, they're not wrong. <laughs> yes, it could, but it's like there, there has to be a cutoff point and something they just keep, like you said, fixating on what could happen and get balled up in this cycle or, you know, about that specific thing. But generally those people, not all the time, but generally those people don't have just one thing. Yeah. It's like, what's the next thing that someone talks about? Oh, let me, you know, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that to make sure that everything is okay? Do you think that, uh, is there, is there a common trend with people maybe trying to control, you know, feeling out of control? And so the way that they respond is trying to control. And even if they can't physically control something, the way that they can maintain control in their mind is by fixating on it. Well, at least I need to stay in the loop. Mm -hmm. Tell me where you're going. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't control what's going to happen there, but I need to know mm -hmm. because that helps me feel like I have some mm -hmm. modicum of control. Yeah. Yeah. The fear of not being in control, a lack of control. Yeah, I would, mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Not with every person, but um, a good deal of that is a, a fear of... Yeah. I can't, I can't control this situation or that environment, um, but I can pray about it and I can give you all kinds of safety tips or advice on what to do. Yeah. You were mentioning, uh, all wor worrying about all the things that could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and it reminds me of, there's this, uh, study from Penn state from a couple years ago, uh, where they had, um, the people who were part of the study write down all of the things that they were worried could happen in the next 30 days and then do a daily journal to actually uh, mm -hmm. figure out what things happened in the way that they were worried happens, what things happened differently, what things, what was the outcome of that? And the study over just a 30 day period of writing down all the things they were worried could happen in the next 30 days, 91% of the things they were worried about didn't happen the way they were worried about. And so it's nine out of 10 of the things they were worried about didn't happen. Less than 10% of the things they were worried about actually came to be. And so it's this, you know, it's this fixation on what could happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah. And one of the techniques I use to help people through that is called adaptive thinking. Mm. So we have, um, I'll get my little worksheet out here. Um, so it asks, I asked them to write the date and time of the thing that happened. Okay. The situation, so they're then they're supposed to describe the situation, and then they're supposed to write down the emotions on a scale of one to one hundred percent. You know, what did you feel? I'll give you an example here, and then the automatic thought. So write down the automatic thought and rate your belief in that on a scale of one to one hundred percent, 
and then write down the adaptive thought. So write the adaptive thought and rate your belief in that on a scale of 1 to 100%. And then what's the outcome? The outcome should be less of a percentage, you know, of uh, anxiety or stress. But here's the one. I'll give you an example. Person writes the date, 11-10-98 at 5.15 p.m. I'm in the car and thinking about things I forgot to do at work. Mm. So that's the Common situation. experience, yeah. Emotion. Write your feeling and rate them. Uh, anxious, 90%. Fearful, 95%. That's pretty high. Yeah. Automatic thought. So write your automatic thoughts and rate your belief in them on a scale of 1 to 100%. If I don't get to work, if I don't get the work done for my boss, he's going to kill me. 95%. That's a little extreme. So that was, that's the automatic thought automatic that pops thought. into your, your, your head mm-hmm. when you're thinking about the things you didn't get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they ask him to write the adaptive thought. And this is your thought um, and rate the belief in it on a scale of 100 to 100%. I have a good uh, record with my boss because I usually get the work done early, 90%. Okay? Mm. So they're thinking, processing through. Yeah, they're, 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 they're testing that first thought. Yep. Is that actually true or what is true based on the, my experience that I've known up to mm-hmm. this point? Mm. Yep. And then the outcome. Describe what happened as a result of your actions in your mind. Um, anxiety is reduced to 40%. Mm. So it was at 90. Fear is at 50%. It was at 95. Calm, 60%. Confident, 55%. Hmm. So it's going from that, they call it catastrophizing, of, oh, no, what's going to happen, to, okay, let's think this through, and you can actually change how you're feeling by adapting the thinking. Yeah. Well, and I can see how that can be connected with the the tool of thought stopping, mm-hmm. where it's it, the, those automatic thoughts pop mm-hmm. in where it, it you, your mind races to the worst possible scenario. And so your impulse is to let that run away with you. Mm-hmm. Your blood pressure raises, your breathing increases, like you're on edge, you're more irritable. Mm-hmm. When someone comes and talks to you, I can't deal with you right now because I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And yet stopping that mm-hmm. and, and challenging it, testing it, is that actually true? Yeah. What are the other parts of this context that I know? Yeah. Have I ever seen my boss kill anyone, you know, or, or, or <laughs> right. fire anyone on a, on a, you know, yeah. uh, a moment's notice kind of thing. And so, okay, let me challenge that initial thought. What things do I know to be true? Um, and then I can understand how, you know, yeah. uh, for people who, uh, have a, a, a spiritual part of their life too, bringing prayer into that, bringing mm-hmm. meditation into that yeah. can also be a, a helpful part of that. Uh, turning the corner process, you know, mm-hmm. in church, we would call that, you know, re- repenting, mm-hmm. you know, turning from the initial thoughts towards what yes. we know is true about God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And simply put what we're talking about, and I think I might have stated this early, but I want to restate it. Um, our emotions start with our thoughts. So it goes thoughts, emotions, and then behaviors. So if you want to change the behavior, you have to change the thought. Because the emotions, um, they're going to kick in about whatever we're thinking. Yeah. 
And the brain, God did a wonderful job, <laughs> we all know that, with putting our bodies together. Um, I forget whose research this is. Uh, I think Dr. Daniel Amen uh, from the Amen Clinics, I believe it's his, um, at least where I read it, <clears throat> that anytime we have a thought, if we are thinking negatively, the brain is going to release um, cortisol, adrenaline, stress hormones, yeah. and our negative thinking is going to continue, and we're going to start feeling pretty bad. But if we're thinking positively, the brain is going to release the serotonin and all these good chemicals to help us feel better. So think about, you know, when you've been someplace that you really enjoy being, you know, how good you feel. Yeah. You know, and then think about a time when you were really in the dumps about something and how horrible you felt. Yeah. Just changing the way you think is going to change your body chemistry to help improve how you're feeling. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and it's encouraging to know also, uh, I've done a little research on uh, neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the fact that uh, these these habits, you know, these these thought habits, mm -hmm. emotional habits that we develop in our in our lives um, can can develop some pretty deep grooves in the dirt, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a it's a it's a pretty ingrained mm -hmm. habit, but it's not permanent nope. that it, it can be changed. It can be relearned or unlearned or you can transfer yep. to a different pattern and, and your brain will actually change. Yes. Um, and so you are not trapped in old mm -hmm ways of life you you can experience yeah. renewal and healing on, on a on a brain level on yes. an actual physical see it on an mri type of level yes and that's what i was referring to with the changing and the schedules the routine and all of that you still may have the doldrums about it or the anxiety about it but if you do it keep to it yeah yeah you're starting to change the way you think about it and maybe even it becomes enjoyable in mm. a different way instead of stressful, mm. you know. Well, this has been so helpful and I'm so appreciative mm -hmm. for you um, spending time with us and just even giving us some of your wisdom. Um, if folks wanted to get in touch with you or find out more information about uh, the Living Well Clinic that's here, mm -hmm. um, where would you point people? How would you want people to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, uh, a general one that anybody anywhere can get to is the um, psychology today. If they just type me into a Google search under psychology today, I'll pop up. Um, or they can uh, type in livingwellcounseling.life and the website's there. Phone numbers are there. Um, just call the office and talk to Becky, Becky Tracy, John, or... Well, not Shelley, Becky, Tracy, or John. Sure, <laughs> sure. And and if if uh, if someone was trying to decide whether um, they they would benefit from meeting with a professional, um, how would you advise them to help kind of figure out whether that's something that would be helpful for them? If they're stuck, they have tried. You know, maybe they've talked to family and friends. Maybe they've talked to their pastor. Um, you know, they're just still feeling stuck and life just isn't working out how they would like to see it. Um, it'd be time to get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you know, it's not, uh, I know there's some stigma attached to counseling and some fear sometimes for going to counseling that someone might lead them in a path that they're not comfortable with. But I don't think that would even be the case if they went to a secular counselor. Now, some people do choose a Christian counselor for that purpose, and sometimes they have some um, spiritual battles that they're dealing with at the same time. So then you might want to choose someone of faith uh, to seek counseling with. But really, we all kind of take what the person brings in, and that's what we work with. We stick in our lane. Um, and even so, uh, I ask before, you know, I go down that path, is that something you, you would like help with? Um, I do have in my um, intake, there's uh, a brief assessment on their religious background. So I know where to stay out <laughs> and know where I can help if they want that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and You're just welcome. giving us your advice and your wisdom and also just sharing your heart with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. 